may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. But it's just not fair. I work hard for everything I have, and it's not fair that those other people should get paid the same as me. At a very young age, you develop a sense of what fair means. One only has to walk by a playground to hear shouts of, it's not fair. Or worse, watch the news and see supposed adults shouting at one another about what's fair, about who should be allowed in, who should have health care, who should have food, what communities are worth protecting or rebuilding. It's a human cry that goes back to the very first siblings who remember the story of Cain and Abel. Today, in the Old Testament reading, we hear the reluctant prophet Jonah so angry about the perceived unfairness of God's grace that he shouts the familiar, I'm so angry at the God. When God spares the Nineveh, people Jonah believes are undeserving of God's love and care and forgiveness. So when Jesus tells the parable of the landowner and the laborers, he surely knows that not only will we understand it, but we probably won't like it. But apparently we need to hear it over and over again. If you'll recall, the stories from the past few weeks in Matthew's Gospel have all been about how God's economy the kingdom of heaven operates with different values, different goals, different understandings than these creatures brought to the city. God's economy involves forgiveness and mercy for debts, telling the truth in love, forbearance and humility. A willingness to embrace suffering, and the very good news that God's love and grace, forgiveness, and mercy are for each one of us, all of us. God's abundance is poured out however God wants to do it. Our human creaturely constructs of judgment and fairness are not reality in God's kingdom. Everything is upside down to what we expect, to what we cling to. Jesus tells us that the last will be first, and the first will be last. How do we feel about that? What might we need to pray about? to embrace the grace that comes from God when we know ourselves to be right. Is there hope? Is that true? What about those of us who think we are first? The best and the brightest, the ones who work really hard, the movers and the shakers. 
what do we need to embrace? To pray for? How do we step aside to go to the back of the line? To give thanks for all we have been given and open our hands to help us. How do we embrace the truth that God's economy is a complete reversal to the way we believe economics works? Our souls depend on it, Jesus tells us. And that's been a challenge since the beginning of time. But I think particularly for us today in a world so incredibly fraught with division and greed. How do we, as people who walk with Jesus, not only embrace God's economy for ourselves, but embody it in the world? How do we operate under the law of love? This week you might have seen it. It's quite timely. It's about a man named Charles Finney. Chuck, as he is known to his friends. Chuck is 89 years old. And he became a multi-billionaire through his business duty-free shoppers to stores in every airport. Chuck is a good, old-fashioned, American capitalist success story. He went to university at Cornell on the GI Bill. Then he had a good idea. He raised money, he risked capital, he worked hard. He developed a thriving international business of selling luxury goods to travelers. We've all been in one of his stores, I'm sure. He amassed over eight billion dollars through this and some other business endeavors. So he said, surely Chuck is someone who really understands economics. It turns out that gathering the eight billion dollars was not his life's work at all. Chuck, in fact, understood God's economy. 40 years ago, at age 49, he founded Atlantic Philanthropies. He hired 300 employees and developed a business plan to give away all $8 billion by September 2020. And last week, on September 14th, he succeeded. And closed Atlantic philanthropies. The strategy was to anonymously fund big initiatives to help the world. He funded projects to bring peace to Northern Ireland, to modernize healthcare in Vietnam. He supported educational efforts and scholarships at Cornell and other universities. He supported initiatives to restore health care for all people in the United States and many, many more projects. Listen to this one. He gave away 
percent more than his current net worth. Three hundred and seventy-five thousand percent. He and his wife live in a modest apartment in San Francisco, and they have about a million dollars that they hope is enough money to cover their health care costs in their final year. The last will be first, and the first will be last. No idea if Trump is a person But clearly, he understands God's economics as well as anyone I have ever encountered. So next week, here at Trinity, we will embark on an annual stewardship campaign, as well as launch a bold effort to strengthen our mission in the world as people who are generous people who embody God's economy of grace and love. We can only succeed at these things when we hold out our hands, open to receive the boundless love and grace that God pours out on us, for us. With open hands we receive and we give, not grasping or withholding, Ever aware of our need for God's grace in all our moments. So, welcome home, dear Trinity friends, to the world where love is the one. And where each of us is invited to live in a community of trust and faith, hope and love. I suspect. Months or perhaps even the next couple of years, there will be many opportunities to explore being last as well as being first. Jesus poured out his life for us, and he promises that this giving up, this giving over, this emptying, is where true life is to be found. Thank you, Sarah.